Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Joel Hudson, the worship pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church Nashville campus. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we continue with our series, Finish Strong. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Nick teaching us about the faithfulness of Caleb in Joshua chapter 14. And now, here's Nick. Some of you were there. I I want you to maybe remember with me for just a moment. This crown was set up over in Trout Theater at Belmont University. And at the conclusion of a series called For the Kingdom, where we had literally prayed in excess of 40 days, asking God to reveal to us where we would go and what we would do as a campus, we, we kind of marched down at the conclusion of a, of a final day of that series with, with envelopes in hand and placed them in bins similar to the ones that are up here, knowing and trusting that God was going to do far more than anything any of us could have afforded and put in those envelopes. God was going to show up and do more. And what we didn't know in that timeline, what we hadn't yet arrived at, what we were still figuring out as Eric and I and other people who are smarter than both he and I are going around the building after building all over this city looking for places that our campus could land, knowing that there was an expiration date on the Nashville campus of Rolling Hills at Belmont University of March of 2019. What were we going to do? Well, all of a sudden, enter a friendship inner relationship with Park Avenue Baptist Church and here we are sitting in a place that we've been worshiping together since June of this year. I'm not mad it would have been March had it not been for COVID but whatever we started in June of this year celebrating God's goodness together and already thanking him for the gifts that he had given and knowing and trusting that he was going to continue to give good gifts. I'm excited about what today is, and I love the idea of a race motif because who isn't in a race today? And you're like, no, I did not sign up for that Nashville Marathon. I was glad when they canceled it because it blocked off my street anyway. I was, listen, we're all in a race. We're all going somewhere, and so what we want to do as a people is finish strong. And as you've been a part of the series the last couple of weeks, what you've known is that for those of us who started this process way back in 2018, what we're saying is, okay, in the middle of everything that life has thrown at us in the last couple of years, we're going to finish strong. And what we've also been able to do is to invite others, people who weren't with us way back then, people who we didn't even know about way back then to say, hey, join us and together we're going to finish strong. It's not about where you began the race, and it's not about how you run the race, although I do think that's important from time to time. It's really together for us finishing the race that we started and knowing that finishing the race is really always the starting point of anything that God wants to do in our lives. I want to tell you the names of two people, Evan Gaynor and Nora Jones. Okay, not that Nora Jones. The famous Nora Jones has an H on the end of her name. This is like Nora with no H on the end. So Evan Gaynor, 28 years old, and this particular Nora Jones, not the famous one, 49 years old. The famous one is only 41, had you been interested today. Okay, so 28-year-old Evan Gaynor and 40 nine-year-old Nora Jones have something in common. They both finished uh, the, the Rocket City Marathon in 2016. 
So theoretically, they're not 28 and 49 anymore. They've added several years, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, so 28-year-old Evan Gaynor and 49-year-old Nora Jones have something in common. On December the 10th, 2016, they both competed and completed the Rocket City Marathon. Rocket City in Huntsville, Alabama. It was a wise choice because for the most of that route, it's pretty flat, no hills, you can do it. And it's December in Alabama, which is typically not very cold, but also not blazing hot like it sometimes is here in Nashville, so wife choices. Okay, Evan Gaynor finished first out of all 1,034 total runners who completed the race that day with a time just shy of two hours and 29 minutes. Mind is blown. Somebody needs to Google this morning what the fastest national marathon time is. I'm sure it's faster than that one, but I can't even fathom what this guy was able to do that day. He was done before most people had reached the halfway mark yours included, because I have something in common with Evan Gaynor and Nora Jones. I I competed in that race that year too. And and like Evan Gaynor and Nora Jones, I finished. Nora Jones finished dead last. She was runner number 1,034 with a time of six hours and seven minutes. I finished 648th with a time of four hours and 35 minutes. And you can see on there that I was 38 years old at the time. So there you go. Or 648, that's right, yeah, there you go. And the thing that all three of those people, none of which really know each other, I've never met Evan Gaynor and I don't know Nora Jones, at least not that Nora Jones, okay, is the thing in common was that we finished. And I don't think Nora Jones set out that day to be the winner of that race. Yeah, that's the face I make when I'm about to puke because it was at the end of the race and they want to take a picture of you with your medal. Yeah, there you go, you can clap for that. And all I wanted was a banana and a bucket because it was going to happen. Like, you're stressing out. Okay. Like, I didn't set out that day, and I'm pretty sure that Nora Jones didn't set out that day to win that race. Like, it would have been really, really foolish, and I would have needed close friends of mine to rally around me and say, hey, Nick, by the way, you have said over and over and over again that you are going to win the Rocket City Marathon. In all honesty and love as a brother in Christ and a fellow runner, you are not going to win this race. But we really are prayerful that you'll finish it. And all along my four hours and 35 minutes and 12 seconds that day, I I saw people drop out and not finish along the way. Evan Gaynor did. In fact, when I was seeing people drop out and not finish, Evan Gaynor was already done. But but Nora Jones did. Six hours later, went across that line, looked at a banner, got her banana, took a picture with her medal because she finished that race. When you set out to do anything amazing, what's your goal? Winning Or, or, or finishing? Because Evan Gaynor and Nora Jones, Nick Allen, all got the same medal and all had the same determination. I can bet money that Evan Gaynor may have realistically set out to win that race, but Nora Jones and Nick Allen, we just set out to finish it along with probably a thousand other people. And that's ultimately what we want to do as a church. I've been studying family ministry and children's ministry for a long time in my ministry career, and Reggie Joyner asks a really important question, and it revolves around this idea. It's in your notes this morning. What are you most concerned with in life, an inheritance or a legacy? Reggie Joyner says that what I give to my children or what I do for my children is not as important as what I leave in my children. 
And that makes a difference, especially when we're looking at a season of life where Christmas is coming. Susan has been asking the kids to go ahead and make their Christmas list. Alan children get four gifts every single Christmas. They get a want, a need, a wear, a read. It kind of helps us summarize what's happening at Christmas and it helps us avoid any sort of excess in life. They literally get four presents. And so last night she was helping Simon, second grade Simon, write down, hey, what's your want? What's your need? He goes, what's a need? And oh, you mean like underwear? Yeah, that was his idea. Maybe so, buddy. Let's just talk about that. Like what, what is a need? What is a, what is a wear? What is a read? What is something that you could look at in life? Well, I, I think about that as we approach this Christmas and as we look at budget and we look at holiday spending and we try to figure out what's appropriate for us as a family, but then also what we can give back to our community and what that means for them. Here's what we know, that what we give to them, what they open up on a Christmas morning, December 25th, when they find something around a tree, what we give to them is not as important as what we leave in them. You see, legacy matters more than inheritance. I read an article this week. It was a blog from a pastor, a fellow pastor in town by the name of Scott Sauls, and in it he quotes David Brooks from the New York Times, and he says this, in our secular achievement culture, we all know that the eulogy virtues are more important, but we spend more time on the resume virtues. Are you more about an inheritance or a legacy? Are you more about a resume or a eulogy? Because winning the Rocket City Marathon, that's resume. Finishing it and finishing it well and doing your best, that's, that's, that's eulogy building in life. We all focus so much on the idea. We know 100% that more important for us is the eulogy that somebody might read over us when we're gone. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, hardworking, family loving, Christ prioritizing. But we spend more time trying to build those resumes, qualifications, awards, achievements, ideas. We know that the eulogy matters more, but we spend more time on the resume. And so we ask ourselves in this context, in the context of Joshua and the people of Israel crossing over into the promised land, what is the thing about us that we want to stand out the most? Your inheritance? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> or your legacy? The resume in life that you're building? Or, or the eulogy that you're stacking and getting ready for one day when you're no longer a part of this life. In the book of Exodus, the people of God are wandering around in a wilderness and they're waiting on the faithfulness of God to lead them into the path that he had for them. And in this moment, God reiterates to Moses. He says to him, hey, by the way, my presence is going to go with you. My, my presence is going to go with you. And Moses responded to him in Exodus chapter 33, starting verse 14. He says this, hey, if your presence does not go, don't make us go up from here. Hey, if you're not going to go with us, don't make us go. If you're not going to go, then we don't want to go. Well, if you're going to stay home, then I just want to stay home. It's like that whole married argument. Like God says, my presence will go with you. And Moses reiterates to him, hey, BTW, let's just talk about this one more time. If you're not going to go, then we don't want to go either. Moses continues, verse 16, he says, how will it be known? Like, how will it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished, set apart, made different, look different. We will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. What are they going to be distinguished by? The presence of God. What's going to make them stand out? The presence of God. Not finishing first. 
finishing strong. It's the presence of God that is our distinguishing characteristic. Always doing more than any of us could ask or imagine. And so today as we continue in this series of Joshua, we land in that book once more. And in chapter 14 with a key character by the name of Caleb, we've talked about him along this story because it was Joshua and Caleb, the only two of 12 tribes that spies that were sent to look at the land. Uh, uh, Only two guys who came back with a favorable report and said, hey, we've got this because our God is bigger than those people. The other 10 said no, and so they had to wait 40 more years. And in this moment, Joshua's divvying up the land. They've taken possession of it, and Joshua is dividing it up between the tribes, and this happens. It says in verse 6, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the king is, and that's really important. The reason why the Bible tells us who he's the son of and what clan he came from is really, really important. It said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. That's a whole different message for a whole different day, but what are you doing according to your convictions right now? But my fellow Israelites who went up with me and made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, verse 10, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive 45 years since that time. And he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So I am here today, 85 years old. 85-year-olds in the house. I am still as strong today. Whoa, I love this part. 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. How many of us can say that? I cannot say that I'm as strong as I was at 25 years old, much less 42 years old. And I know there are people in the room who say, well, I'm not as strong today as I... This guy says, I am as strong today at 85 years old as I was at 45 years old. I am just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me the hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, God did this. I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. It's important because the Bible says again, who is this guy's dad? What clan is he from? The Kenizzite. Ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. May the same thing be said about us. 45 years old, and he was faithful. 40 years later, still faithful. Y'all, I have a problem waiting on God 45 minutes. Much less 40 more years What stands out about this guy? His faith or God's presence? I'll tell you, the legacy of Caleb matters because 
God's promises matter. And that's exactly what was going on in the life of Israel. God's promises were being fulfilled. In the book of Genesis chapter 12, it says this to to Abram, the Lord spoke, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. God made a promise to Abraham and this moment in the book of Joshua is just an extended fulfillment of that promise that this land was going to belong to God's children. In Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abram and said this, to your descendants, to your offspring, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, and the land of the Kenites, Kenazites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. All these people that occupy this land right now will occupy this land no more because I'm going to give it to you. And what we're seeing unfold in the book of Joshua is a fulfillment of that promise. God is making due on his promise to give his people this land. And here's the part that matters, the fact that Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, is a king in this moment because those Kenazites are mentioned a lot of scholars believe in the book of Genesis as the original inhabitants of this land and there's debate over and over in theological world over what this passage means and basically it's a question for us was Caleb an Israelite by blood or only by faith Scripture says he was from the clan of Judah, and we know that Judah was part of the family. Judah was eventually the place that we were going to get Jesus from. Like, we know that Judah is connected to the Israelites and to the whole gospel narrative story. So it matters that Caleb went up from the clan of Judah to claim his inheritance according to the promises of God. But why does Scripture give us over and over the fact that he was the son of Jephunneh and the uh, Kenazite? Because a lot of scholars believe that this guy, Caleb, wasn't full of Israelite blood. How did he get connected to the story? Exodus chapter 12 gives us an answer. That when the people of God made their way out of Egypt, free, going to cross the Red Sea, going to march into the wilderness, going to cross the Jordan, says this, many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. You see, the Israelites weren't the only ones that at the conclusion of the book of Genesis faced famine. The Israelites weren't the only ones that at the conclusion of the book of Genesis made their migration south towards Egypt in order to find food. The Israelites weren't the only ones that Pharaoh after Pharaoh had enslaved in the land of Egypt and made subject to their people. And so we follow the narrative of the Israelites, God's chosen people, according to the promises of Abraham, that they would one day be free. And Moses comes up, let my people go. And he's going to walk those people out of there. But scripture tells us many other people. That means other nations, other tongues, other folks, not Israelites, also marched their way out of Egypt. And they linked arms with the tribes as they made their way, following Moses around the wilderness in order to walk into promised land rest my hunch is that some of them got married to each other along the way some of them had kids with one another on the way and regardless of where we land on the theological argument of whether or not Caleb was an Israelite by blood or by faith we know that his legacy matters because he inherited part of the land 
God's word in this moment, it reminds us that the blessings that are for us are, are, are ultimately blessings for others. He spoke that to Abraham. He said, by the way, the blessings that I'm gonna give you are ultimately for other people, not just your children, not just your descendants, but all other nations on the earth are gonna be blessed by you. This blessing that I'm gonna give to you is ultimately for others. It started right there at the beginning. And we learned the same thing from the Joshua story. This land, this feet where Caleb's toes touched. It was for his children forever, according to verse 9. This blessing that I'm going to give you is not just for you. I'll look at this building that way. This blessing that the Lord gave us is not just for us. I get excited every time I walk into it. I think it looks so nice and bright. Y'all should see the kids' space if you haven't already. Let's take a look. It's so nice. Some of y'all are looking, I already raised my kids. I've already raised my grandkids. Some of y'all babysit your great-grandkids. They live somewhere else. You're thinking, this isn't for me. You're right. It's for others. This blessing that God has given us is for others. This battle for control of Hebron, this this land that Caleb occupies, it, it continues today. There's, there's, there's controversy over that land. There's questions over that land of who it really belongs to. And God's word says that it would belong as inheritance to Caleb and his children forever. I'm all the time asking God whenever there's a movement of God in me calling me to something else. Well, Lord, what's in it for me? And I keep forgetting over and over and over again, maybe you do too, that it's not about me. It's all about the glory of he who made me and called me. And whenever I figure out, whenever I land on the right page that says it's ultimately all about God, I realize that it's never in that context about me. It's about the we. It's all of us together. God's word reminds us over and over and over again from the promise that started in Abraham to the promises fulfilled that continue through the book of Joshua to the promises that are fulfilled continuing all the way through the New Testament. We know over and over again that any blessing for you is ultimately supposed to be a blessing for others. And scripture reminds us that our faithfulness has lasting significance for generations to come. It was for the children and the children's children, and the children's children. And I look at this passage and I say, what if? What if Caleb wasn't an Israelite? What if he was from some random tribe of the Kenizzites who were the original inhabitants of the land and they just happened to be slaves in Egypt the same time that Israel was slaves in Egypt and his mom and his dad and his grandparents marched him out of town along with the rest of their family and the Israelites and he became grafted into that family of Judah and marching into the land called Promise so much so that he was selected as the representative of Judah to go into the land that day, perhaps, perhaps way long before Jesus, way long before the apostle Paul told us all about other people being grafted in and adopted into the family of faith. What if perhaps long before Jesus, we get evidence of the grace of God's fulfilled promises here? What if long before God sent Jesus, long before Paul wrote us the New Testament, God was already about giving outsiders an inheritance. Maybe so. Somebody would have to do a DNA test to find out for sure. But I do like that narrative. The one that says Caleb was kind of an outsider. And scripture reminds us twice, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, 
he was kind of linked to outsiders. So much so that this land that he received, it wasn't just an inheritance, it was a legacy. The reason it was a legacy is because the land that he got was special. It, it, it was the land of Hebron. Scripture tells us that there was a cave there, the cave of Machpelah, a cave that Abram, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, ancestors. It was the ancestral tomb of God's promised people. And it went to Caleb, a kid who was linked to the clan of Judah and maybe not even an Israelite by birth. What if God, right from the beginning, was all about welcoming outsiders, using outsiders, calling outsiders, blessing outsiders? This land wasn't just an inheritance. It was a legacy of obedience and long-lasting commitment to the Lord. Twice in this passage of Scripture, it says again and yet again that Caleb followed the Lord of God of Israel wholeheartedly. Who you are matters more than what you get. And we're not done. Caleb on this day, entering this land, 85 years old, says, I still got it. It's because he wasn't done. It, It was a declaration I'm still just as vigorous today. I'm still just as energized today. Are you just as energized today as the day you met Jesus? Are you just as passionate today as the day you accepted your call to ministry? Are you just as excited right now in November of 2020 as you were in June of 2020 when we walked in this building for the first time as a united Rolling Hills Community Church Nashville campus family? Are you just as pumped up today as you were then? Because it's going to take all of that energy if we are going to finish strong. Are you just as vigorous right now to go out into battle as you were then? I wish to heaven that I could say that I was as in shape as I was four years ago. And that it wouldn't take a whole lot of training to get me back to that 648th place I got in, you know. Jeff Simmons, in the beginning of every single campaign that we've ever had in the life of Rolling Hills, and I've been a part of a lot of them, since days setting up and tearing down in a movie theater, praying and hoping that God would one day take us to a permanent location. I've been a part of campaigns like this where people gave over and above their tithe and made three and five year pledges and commitments in order to see God's work done. And he always said this, and I always thought it was so faith filled. It's never equal gifts but always equal sacrifice. Who gave more on December 10th, 2016? Evan Gaynor or Nora Jones? I think they both did their absolute best. And they finished. It's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice. And I sure do love that part of the story of the life of Caleb because... The fulfillment of God's promise to him is is foreshadowed evidence of the fulfillment of God's promise to us. If you build it, they will come. (laughs) If you step out, I will go with you. And, And so what we say to the great God of this universe is the same thing Moses said to the great God of this universe. Listen, if you're not gonna go, then we don't either. I remember praying that prayer about the Nashville campus. Lord, if you're not going to go, the Allen family doesn't want to go. I I remember praying that about the 
Rolling Hills Community Church, Belmont Heights Campus merger with Park Avenue Baptist Church. Lord, if you're not in this, then we don't want to do this. But if you are, we'll go. And, and the distinguishing mark will be the presence of God. And that's what people will see. And that's what they'll figure out in the middle of COVID, in the middle of election season, in the middle of all the crazy things that we're doing in order to see God's will accomplished in our day and generation. The distinguishing mark about us here, right here, in this room, will be the presence of God. It won't be how fast we run. It, it won't be how much we give. It will be the measure of our sacrifice and the fact that collectively together, we'll finish strong and we'll trust that God has a plan because he took a bunch of outsiders. We didn't find our names on that genealogy report either. He took a bunch of outsiders and chose to bless them with an inheritance that was far more than an inheritance. Ultimately, it was meant to be a legacy. I'm going to tell you, the people that we invite to, to come and be a part of what God is doing here, they matter more than me and you. The, the people that will step into this water in 2022, they, 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 they matter more than us. And, and the faith that we extend to finish strong, it is really about those who come after. And Lord willing, a lot of us will be here to see it, but, but some of us won't. Well, that's real morbid, Nick Allen. <laughs> How are you going to end on that note? Because more important than what you give to your children is what you leave in them. And, and what we want to leave behind is a whole group of people reaching out, growing up, giving all, who gave our best and finished strong so that they could know that God was with us. And not only us, but them too. We're, we're hopefully setting an example so that all those people who come after us 40 years later, four years later, 400 years later, will know that God did something great, more than we thought possible, and more than anyone in the world would have imagined. That's our prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this incredible day of worship and the chance that we have to be in this place and the opportunity that you have extended to us to be a part of this kingdom-sized initiative. And as we continue, God, to, to know and trust and in faith believe that you are doing something greater than what we can ask for or imagine, that you're coming out and being a part of what we believe and what we know to be true, that ultimately, God, you have called us and if you've told us that your presence would go with us. And so help us to be a people today who answer your call 
to finish strong. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray today and to his fame that we give all of our lives and to his glory that we make whatever sacrifice you've called us to make. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways that you can connect. We're thankful for you.